This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us. And we begin with a shocking case of road rage in Vancouver. A pedestrian lucky to be alive after being run over. We want to start with a warning. This video is disturbing. It happened on Robson Street in front of several stunned witnesses. Our Kristen Robinson joins us live with more on the investigation. Kristen, what have you learned about what led up to this? Well, what began as a near collision between a driver and pedestrian ended with the driver being arrested and the pedestrian in hospital. And the video you're about to see doesn't tell the whole story. Oh, oh my God! Oh, the driver of a Nissan Xterra, a 53-year-old Vancouver man, allegedly accelerated forward before rolling over the pedestrian, a 48-year-old man from Surrey who was seen on the ground. It happened around 3.30 on Friday afternoon. The incident started when police say the driver narrowly missed hitting the pedestrian and slammed on his brakes while turning right from Butte Street onto Robson. Where the light cycle was is under investigation, but the VPD says witnesses have told them the pedestrian had the right of way. Police say the pedestrian was upset and began banging on the SUV's passenger side window before the driver lurched forward and rolled over him. For a conflict to escalate to this level, where we have somebody who's being driven over and injured and hospitalized as a result of that, is extremely rare. We certainly don't want to see anything like this. It's, uh, it's, it's very disturbing for anybody who's seen it, um, and we take it very seriously. So we'll investigate it fully. Kristen, what do you know about how the victim is doing now? Well, Sophie, we know the VPD says the victim was treated in hospital for what they describe as non-life-threatening injuries. So they did survive this disturbing incident. Meantime, police expect to recommend criminal charges as they progress with their investigation, including potential charges of alleged of um, assault causing bodily harm, assault with a weapon, and or dangerous driving. All right, thanks for that. Kristen Robinson reporting live at VPD headquarters. Charges have been laid in connection with a fatal crash involving a runaway delivery van back in Surrey in September of, sorry, back in Surrey of 2020. 25-year-old Zhao Kurian has been charged with one count of dangerous driving causing death. The crash happened when an out-of-control delivery van jumped the sidewalk along 144th Street near 61A Avenue. The van came barreling towards a woman who was out walking with two little girls the kids were able to get out of the way, but the woman was struck and killed. The van driver stayed at the scene. Korean will appear in court at the end of October. One of BC's best-known retailers says ongoing and violent shoplifting is such a serious problem, it could be left with no choice but to close several stores. As Alyssa Thibault reports, London Drug says despite spending millions on increased security, Theft is still rampant and staff members are facing risks while they're on the job. Threats with weapons, rampant shoplifting, assault. 
events all too common for retail workers in downtown Vancouver. Now one major store is considering getting out. I can say that there's active conversations about closing stores right here in Vancouver. The president and COO of London Drugs says they're at crisis point. Despite an increase in security, he says staff are still being threatened and assaulted by members of the public, including one instance where a staff member asked someone not to steal. They turned around and hit our employee with a hatchet. We routinely have our employees threatened with knives, needles, machetes, um, and other sort of bear spray. It's in northern BC, it's on Vancouver Island. We see it universally everywhere. And it's a challenge facing other major cities on the west coast. Late last month, US retail giant Target announced it would be closing nine stores, including two in Seattle. Shoplifting is wildly underreported, but even still, in 2022, there was a 30% increase in instances from the year before. VPD say, according to their stats, there are 30 violent shoplifting incidents every month. Earlier this year, more than 200 people were arrested during a police crackdown on shoplifting. 47 of those were repeat offenders. I share the frustration of these businesses. I share the frustration of British Columbians. Uh, when uh, people who are involved in a cycle of violence or repeat offences are released again and again uh, and uh, without any uh, opportunity to intervene and break that cycle. The province says it is working to address issues of mental health and addiction and housing, but changes are not happening fast enough. Very concerned about uh, the possibility of this London Drugs closing. We had the closure of the Nordstrom across the street and I can't imagine having another hole uh, in our downtown like that. London Drugs didn't give a timeline for when it might have to start shutting doors. Alyssa Thibault, Global News. Few female officers were as high profile as Eleanor Sturko when she was the media relations sergeant for Surrey RCMP. Now, for the first time, the BC United MLA is revealing another side of her policing experience and urging change to protect female officers from harassment. Catherine Urquhart reports. For 13 years, Eleanor Sturko was an RCMP officer. Now an MLA for Surrey South, she is speaking out about harassment she faced as a female police officer. This after a proposed class action lawsuit was filed by women from municipal policing agencies. It's so disappointing and frankly it's sad to see another class action lawsuit. The former sergeant says she dealt with gender-based harassment and sexual harassment and for the first time she's revealing she was among the women who received a settlement in the previous Merlot-Davidson class action lawsuit. It resulted in more than 100 million dollars being awarded to female RCMP members. The day that the check came to me in the mail I was devastated because you always think that that will be something that makes you feel better, but it doesn't. Last week, numerous sexual harassment claims were made by six women as they launched their lawsuit against 13 cities with municipal policing agencies, the Office of the Police Complaint Commissioner and the Solicitor General and Public Safety Minister. I think I can speak for all of us and we've all been in very dark places mm -hmm. and I consider myself lucky to have been able to leave. BC's Solicitor General and Public Safety Minister says his staff is reviewing the lawsuit and he's promising changes to the Police Act to better deal with harassment. The idea of a, a separate uh, office or 
independent officer uh, to be able to take harassment uh, issues to or cases, I think has some merit. Sturco agrees an independent body may be needed to deal with harassment complaints, noting that speaking out is difficult but necessary. There's a lot of stigma attached to coming forward to say that, you know, something happened that, you know, and standing up to either bullying, sexual harassment, sexual assaults for some people, you know, and it's a very lonely time. This former police officer, now an MLA, one who says she supports the latest female officers to come forward. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. The Premier is wading into the ongoing saga involving who will ultimately be responsible for policing in Surrey. With more on this, let's bring in Keith Baldry. And Keith, this is an ugly situation. We've reported on it extensively. Mm -hmm. But today, David Eby took a softer stance. How do you assess this? Yeah, almost a good cop, bad cop type routine. Mike Farmer, the Solicitor General, has been the point man for the government all along, which means occasionally clashing with uh, Surrey Mayor Brenda Locke and others in Surrey, tough language being used before. Uh, again, sort of a battle of wills between the two. But the Premier today taking a slightly, I think, softer, conciliatory tone and saying that the decision's done. There's no going back on this. The government's not going to change its mind. But for the first time, he acknowledges that Surrey's got some significant concerns that he wants to sit down and talk about and that includes cost and implementation. It is very clear that the city will not be successful in any legal challenge. It is a waste of taxpayer dollars. The province is going in this direction. So let's sit down. Let's move forward. And, uh, and ex I accept the important issues that the mayor has raised on this issue. I think it's important that you raise concerns about cost, about implementation, and we're going to be there to be a good partner to address those issues. Nevertheless, it would be surprising to see the government put more money on the table than it's already there, $150 million. Uh, that would set a precedent that would simply see other municipalities wanting an equal amount of money or even more if they con uh, consider uh, transitioning to other police forces. Nevertheless, a softer conciliatory tone today. We'll see what the next tone comes from Surrey City Hall and whether ultimately there will be a meeting. Who knows? Yeah, and it's the ongoing costs, too, beyond just the one-time payment that they're concerned about as well. Keith, thanks very much. While new legislation from the B.C. government aims to regulate the rapidly expanding short-term rental market and boost long-term housing, there are concerns about the impact on tourism. With fewer accommodation options, some fear that could lead to higher rates at hotels. Richard Zussman reports. So this is the kitchen. It's a full kitchen. It's the way Rona McAdam is going to get through her retirement, renting out this suite as an Airbnb. I put lots of um, guidebooks and things. So I've got my this is my pension. This is my job. And uh, without it, I wouldn't be able to stay in my home. McAdam is still able to keep the short-term rental under the province's new rules because it's a secondary suite in her primary residence. But she's worried about others, pointing to the fact fewer vacation rental locations will mean higher costs for hotels. If it's hard to find accommodation or too expensive, then... They'll maybe go somewhere else, maybe down the Oregon coast. The other issue is what defines a short-term rental. The current rules would restrict anything up to 90 days. I've had a um, traveling nurse. I've had a, um, a doctor who was filling in at the hospital near here. Um, and they were not necessarily here for 90 days. And so where would they stay if they couldn't stay here? 
The tourism industry is fully supportive of this legislation, which restricts short-term rentals to solely a primary residence and one additional suite. And 14 tourist municipalities are exempt, along with all communities smaller than 10,000 people. It's difficult to say if or how much prices will climb for more traditional accommodation, but there are always places to stay and we're not taking the entire stock away. The accommodations being targeted by the legislation, these so-called ghost hotels, the Janion here in Victoria, a perfect example. In essence, every single owner is using the property not as a primary residence, but as a short-term rental. Instead of leasing those to long-term renters, they're being leased for short-term purposes. And that's the part of the market that we're trying to eliminate. And while the new laws may take rooms away in tourist destinations like Kelowna, Victoria and Vancouver, they will provide homes for workers. The tourism industry can't function without tourism workers and those workers need somewhere to live. And once the rules come into effect next year, the short-term rentals could very well be long-term homes. Richard Zuspin, Global News, Victoria. Well, it's Variety Week, and we're sharing the impact that your donations have on kids, on their families, and across their communities. In fact, your dollars are helping Variety have an effect on the entire province because the need is great all over B.C. So we want to thank you for your donations. They're coming in now. People like James Garfield from Summerland and Jennifer Virtue from Vancouver. Tonight, your dollars will go twice as far thanks to our matching donor, Accent Inns. So please, donate now. And thank you so much. Much more as we continue here on the News Hour. All right, uh, holiday shopping is about to shrink a lot. We're definitely pinching pennies right now. A new survey shows Canadians are planning to spend a lot less this year and what retailers should do to lure those shoppers in. That's next on the News Hour. As I opened the door. <laughs> the random act of kindness that gave Victoria residents some extra cash in their wallets. That's later on the news hour. Plus, I always test my newest tricks on people. Success is in the cards for a BC boy making his own magic. That's later on the news hour. Right now, though, Canada's inflation rate dipped to 3.8% in September. This comes after two straight months of increases. According to Statistics Canada, the decline was mostly due to lower prices for travel, including a 21% drop in airfare year over year. While grocery prices continue to rise, the pace of growth fell to 5.8% last month, cooling from the 6.9% increase in August. Gas prices declined slightly on a month-over-month -month basis by just over 1%. The latest data comes one week ahead of the Bank of Canada's next interest rate announcement. And pressure from inflation seems to have Canadians feeling less like Santa and more like Scrooge heading into the holiday season. A new survey shows many people are planning to spend less and keep their holiday budgets under control. Grace Key reports. This season, shoppers are going to be looking for the best bang for their buck. This after many Canadians took a hit in their finances. Definitely less. My husband and I just bought a new house, so <laughs> we're definitely pinching pennies right now. Inflation, how expensive things are. According to Deloitte Canada, households will spend 11% less this holiday season, a total of $1,347, the lowest amount in five years. And we've seen you know, significant growth inflation-wise in food, as we know. 
It might be a little more stable now in terms of what it was a year or two ago, but it's still pretty high and it's still weighing on consumers' wallets as well as the cost of living and rent. Nearly half of Canadians intend to buy only what their family needs this season. To pay for their holiday purchases, nearly a quarter plan to postpone travel plans or cut back on buying groceries. While Canadians are spending less, they'll also be willing to go the extra mile for a deal. They'll visit an average of 16 and a half stores and websites this season, up 37% from last year. You know, we're used to a lot more online shopping now and a lot more like easy returns and stuff like that. And whenever it's the best time to buy it, I just get it. That's the thing. When it comes to service, returns are on the top of the list for online shoppers. 57% say return policies influence where they shop. This comes at a time when some retailers are starting to charge customers for restocking fees. I think we'll see over the next year or two where we land in terms of our consumers everywhere are going to have to pay for returns, which means they're going to have to shop differently, or will there be some sort of meeting in the middle where, you know, if you're part of a loyalty program for a particular brand or retailer, returns will be included, and if you're not, you'll pay. I think it should be less about commercialization, and it should be really more about just everybody taking time off, getting your brain away from work, and just focusing on your family. In the end, it's spending time together with loved ones that counts. Grace Key, Global News. Startling developments at the murder trial for Ibrahim Ali. Coming up, an explanation of the unexpected circumstances related to an expert witness. A connection to a recent missing persons case. And what happens next? Plus, they have disappeared. They, it's like they ghosted me. A warning about a home cleaning service accused of some dirty deeds. Still congested on most of the major routes this evening after a busy afternoon commute and still slow for southbound traffic to the Patello Bridge through the Queen's Park stretch. Select Sussex Insurance and make a difference. When you renew your auto plan online, select your neighborhood Sussex Insurance location when prompted and help support Diabetes Canada exclusively at Sussex Insurance. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Centre. The trial of the man accused of murder and the death of a young Burnaby teenager in 2017 resumed today. As Rumina Dea reports, the judge began the day by addressing the jury about a stunning development. It's been almost three weeks since the jury was told the murder trial of Ibrahim Ali would not go ahead the morning of September 28th due to unexpected circumstances. At the time, the court did not know the expert witness, Dr. Tracy Pickett, was dead. Justice Bernard telling the jury Tuesday morning, sadly, later that same day, Dr. Pickett was found deceased. The circumstances of which did not give the police reason to suspect foul play. One of the last times Dr. Pickett, a sexual assault expert, had been seen was two days prior to her death when she was under cross-examination at B.C. Supreme Court in the Alu trial. The accused has pleaded not guilty to first-degree murder in the death of a young teen whose partially undressed body was discovered in Burnaby Central Park more than six years ago. Last month, Vancouver police launched a massive search for Dr. Pickett after her family reported her missing. Her body was found near her home. A cause of death has not been released. Because Dr. Pickett had not yet concluded her testimony at the time of her death, said Justice Bernard, I will have to decide how to deal with this as a trial issue. Meanwhile, I must instruct you not to speculate about this matter and not to conduct your own research into it. 
Until then, the trial continues. The manager of the Tim Hortons, where the dead teen was captured on surveillance video, testified Tuesday morning. The court heard the girl spent about an hour and a half inside. Her body was found in Central Park the next morning. The trial, which began in April, was supposed to last three months. After multiple adjournments, we're now seven months in. Justice Bernard has not given the jury an end date. Ramina Dea, Global News. Clients and workers of Surrey-based cleaning company Scrubby are looking for answers and money after the business seemingly disappeared. Kriti Carval says she hired the cleaning company for a full year of service, paying $3,500 up front, but soon after the company vanished. It's a similar story for this woman, hired by Scrubby as a contract employee. She says she's owed over $1,400 for cleaning homes. She says at first she was told it was due to a technical glitch with payroll, but now fears it's much worse. I've been looking for a job for so many months. It's not easy. I can't even open my account. They locked it. Scrubby's website is still up and running, but it seems some information has vanished. All efforts by Global News to reach the company have so far been unsuccessful. Just ahead, seniors hit by homelessness. For a senior to feel safe in their own neighborhood is becoming less and less viable. The supports that help seniors find a safe place to call home. Plus, of course, I was delighted. I thought, this is really weird. <laughs> Residents of a Victoria building feeling flush thanks to the fresh 50s. Someone left them. That's later on the news hour. Steady across the Portman Bridge tonight with a lot of traffic still busy eastbound on Highway 1 through Burnaby and Coquitlam on the approach. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $22 million. Lotto Max, dream to the max. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. Just want to remind you it's Variety Week and Accent Inns is matching donations during tonight's news hour. So your dollars will be doubled if you give. Just join all those great folks on screen and give to Variety. Thanks to Lawrence Bryce from Penticton. Please donate now and help kids. Shirley Wilson is another one I spot on there. She's all the way up in Bella Coola. Thanks, everyone, who's given tonight. Now in the Middle East, where Israel continues to strike targets in Gaza, ahead of expected visits from world leaders. There is concern over rising tensions in the region and the lack of a humanitarian corridor in order for aid to reach those most in need. A warning, this story contains disturbing images. Global's Kyle Benning reports. It's been called an utter catastrophe by United Nations officials. He says nobody knows what is happening anymore. There were hundreds of people in this area, an area where a refugee camp was attacked. Elsewhere, the Hamas-run health ministry in Gaza says an Israeli airstrike struck a hospital, reporting that the number of deaths are in the hundreds. Israel's military spokesperson initially noted they were looking into the attack. A subsequent post by the IDF on social media says an enemy rocket barrage was carried out towards Israel through the vicinity of the hospital before striking it.
Fighting between Hamas and Israel is having severe impacts on Gazans, with thousands of casualties reported. Hundreds were trapped under rubble after bombardments leveled an entire block of a refugee camp Tuesday. And the United Nations noted six people died from an Israeli airstrike that struck a UN refugee agency-run school. Gazans are seeing less on shelves, with World Food Program officials saying the territory could run out of supplies in days. This says humanitarian aid is being held at the Rafah crossing in Egypt, with officials still working to secure the passage of goods into Gaza. We have had to reduce the ration we are giving to people, because while the shelters are overcrowding, our ability to reach them is becoming more limited. The crossing also hasn't opened for people looking to leave, with Israel's military moving troops into place for an expected ground offensive. President. The U.S. Secretary of State met with the leader of the Palestinian Authority a day before Joe Biden is set to land in the region. Conversations between world leaders continue, but emphasis is being placed on aid reaching those in need. We need to make sure that we're in contact with Israeli officials to uh, make sure that international law principles are upheld in this situation. Kyle Benning, Global News. A Vancouver community group is sounding the alarm about a disturbing trend highlighted by this year's homeless count. A big increase in seniors with no place to live. Aaron MacArthur reports. And pull it back down. At Veterans Manor, a little exercise goes a long way. The program, one of several offered by Holway House. The men living here have more than just stable housing. They have a place to call home. We were in cots side by side. David Higgins, the perfect example of what this type of housing means. Before he was offered a place at Veterans Manor, he had spent much of his 60s working and living in shelters. His health had deteriorated to the point where no one was sure if he would survive. My doctor said that when I was taken to the hospital by ambulance, I was about an hour away from passing. Four years later, he is part of a community. This is where I was, for the first time ever, I had a stable base, and I was able, to, with the help of friends and people I knew, and, you know, to kind of turn it around and... Unhoused seniors are quietly becoming one of the biggest issues in the housing crisis. The recent homeless count uncovered a startling statistic. 22% of the unhoused were over 55, compared to just 10% in 2005. Seniors also far more likely to experience what's known as hidden homelessness, where accommodation is temporary or insecure. Once they're in a Holway House CEO Jenny Conkin says the situation needs immediate attention. Because a lot of seniors who are experiencing homelessness are actually quite invisible. They don't tend to be the ones out asking for help. They kind of come from a generation of pull up your bootstraps. Holway House part of a pilot program that is transitioning already housed seniors into more suitable places with proper supports. If a senior is experiencing any health decline or maybe memory loss issues, different things, we're able to step in and help them not only with their social isolation, but actually with their practical um, services. Many of the unhoused seniors identified by the homeless survey say they are experiencing homelessness for the first time. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Well, since June of 2021, Variety has helped more than 1,600 children receive assessments through grants, unlocking critical government funding or essential therapies and other resources. One of these children is Gloriana from Vancouver Island. Early intervention has been crucial for her development, 
and she's already come a long way since she received her support. We didn't have much hope or know how to hope in the beginning, but right now, with all the therapy and all the improvement we've seen, we have high hopes. Yeah. Born happy and healthy, Gloriana's parents started to notice she wasn't hitting her milestones just after she turned one. We weren't thinking about autism when it was going on. Yeah. We were thinking that she was just delayed. We couldn't get her to look at us in the beginning. Like, yeah. you'd be looking at her and she'd look everywhere else but you. Mm -hmm. That's what really got us scared. Gloriana was referred to a pediatrician who gave the family two options. Wait two to three years for an autism assessment through the public health system, or pay thousands of dollars and get an assessment done privately. So we were kind of at an impasse. We didn't know what to do. We just knew it was a rush. Mm -hmm. uh, I tried to find other cash work immediately, try to save up every dime that I could, but it was pretty hard during COVID times to even find that extra little work available. Gloriana's mom, Vanessa, learned Variety, the children's charity, was providing autism assessment grants to cover the cost of those expensive private assessments. The family applied, and Gloriana completed her assessment, allowing her to receive the early intervention that is so crucial to her development. It felt to me, it was like, oh my God, it was an angel sent. It was yeah. just a, a huge relief. It, yeah, we're just grateful. Variety has a massive effect on families like Gloriana's. It's, it's huge, the doors that have been opened to her and her family to be able to seek services like behavior consultants. Um, she has a registered behavior technician on her team, which is made possible by her having that assessment done and that autism funding. Um, when she goes into the school system, she's already going to have the ability to have an EA or um, an inclusion support team already. She's not going to be trying to seek those services out once she's in there because they're already going to be put in place for her. Early intervention is key to her success. Mm -hmm. um, without it, she would still be on the waiting list. None of this would have happened. All of mm -hmm. these improvements, all the tools that we've learned on how to parent her, we wouldn't know yet. But now, like bringing her to the center here today, she, uh, four months ago, she would have come in here kicking and screaming. It would yeah, not have not. happened. Mm -hmm. Now she's in here laughing, playing, running around like a free spirit. She feels comfortable now. So yeah. we, like, we don't want to think where we'd be right now without that. And there are hundreds of children waiting to hear if Variety can help them receive their autism assessments. You can make a difference by donating to Variety now. Just call that number on your screen or go online to variety.bc.ca. A lot of great things will happen if you do. All right, coming up, practice makes perfect for a young magician. Every single ace is now also face up. The card tricks and other illusions getting this youngster attention from some of the best in the business later. But first, a gift of cold, hard cash that'll warm your heart. All right, Christy is here now. It's looking wet out there, Christy. 
Mm -hmm. So we uh, have a little bit of an atmospheric river that we're contending with. And I know a lot of people are wondering, you know, isn't it just a good old rainstorm? And it is one. Um, but we like to classify them or give it a name and give it a scale just to give us an idea of what the impact will be. That's sort of what we're trending towards in uh, meteorology to give people really a good sense. So this is classified, according to the Scripps Institute down in the state, as, as an AR3, which means that it's both beneficial and hazardous. Beneficial, meaning the rain that we need. We do we have rainfall warnings across the south coast. We're still at a drought level three, and we are going to get some well-needed moisture deep into that ground. We also have wind warnings in place for the northern part of Vancouver Island and uh, the central coast. There's the AR3. It's a very narrow band, though, and it, we've had far worse storms than this, but it just gives you an idea of what we're contending with, where we're going to see a prolonged period of heavy rain starting now right through into Thursday morning. 200-plus millimeters of rain across the west coast, far less for the East Coast in very minimal amounts in Victoria. Metro Vancouver, 20 to the south, and the further north you go up into the mountains, that's where we could see 60. And as I mentioned, it's this prolonged period of rain, but it's a very um, a sort of localized area that will see it. And so the concern is, yes, it will be beneficial with the moisture, but the hazards could be that we could see localized flooding, we could see a quick rise in the river levels, which could be dangerous, and I wouldn't roll out a mudslide. I mean, I don't have a lot of... Uh, um, a real um, impact, sorry, idea of about whether we would see a mudslide. But when we get this intense rainfall uh, over the terrain that we now have after um, sort of the forest fires that we've had, that can certainly be an impact. Now, here's a look at the next little while. We are expecting the rain to linger into our Thursday, but overall we're trending towards a bit of blue skies. We head into Friday. Oh my goodness, is that not gorgeous? That's Nelson, BC. Thank you to Terry for that. Look at the fall colors. Back mm -hmm. to you too. So pretty. Thank you, Christy. Christmas came early for residents of a Victoria apartment building when residents found a cash gift at every door. No one is quite sure who did it or why, but as Kylie Stanton reports, they all feel a lot richer for it. I open the door, don't even notice the 50, and just the way my structure is on the bottom of the door, there it is. Just sitting there. The bill slides inside, only then catching Joni Park's attention. What's this? It's the question that's been echoing through the hallways here at 222 Esquimalt Road. I am not the only lucky person. <laughs> A $50 bill was left outside each one of these units Saturday morning. And I mean, it's $900 because there's 18, 18 um, suites. Of course, I was delighted. I thought, this is really weird. <laughs> like, when does this ever happen? And um, it's like a miracle. The building, located in Victoria West, is subsidized and managed by the Greater Victoria Housing Society. Many of the tenants here say they're living on a fixed income. In a statement, GVHS said, we are not aware of who made the gift to residents. We agree it seems like a wonderful surprise. This is where I put the 50. While Parks has chosen not to spend the money. Forget it. Nope. They were just all lying here. Mata is paying it forward. I told my granddaughter this morning and she had wanted to get her nails done. But in this case, money doesn't talk. And so the theories surrounding who is responsible for this generous gesture, well, they just keep coming. I don't think anybody owed me money that they're paying back. Maybe some of them on the lottery. Whatever the reason, it's served as a reminder there are good people in this world 
And if they ever happen to learn who's behind this, <laughs> there's just okay. one thing to right. say. Thank you. <laughs> Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. Very cool. All right, Squires here with a look ahead to sports. Canucks in early action today. That's right. They were in Philadelphia, played at 3 o'clock hour time, and they lost despite this kind of play from Thatcher Demko. Lawton with Cage. Cage. Lawton. Demko with the glove. Yeah, this was certainly a case of wasting a great goaltending performance as Vancouver loses 2-0. Wow. Also tonight... His love of magic started early, and his talent is no illusion. The BC boy making believers out of audiences everywhere. We have so many people to thank. People like Jack and Mary Spargo from White Rock for donating to Variety Week tonight. And Accent Inns is matching their donation tonight and yours up to $20,000. So please, if you can, help Variety by donating now. Thank you, Kelly Penner from Langley and all of the other donors you see on that list. We really appreciate it. Keep calling. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, Squire. What's happening? Early game for the Canucks. Well, early for us, anyway. Well, yeah. Well, it was, I guess, early there, too. It was 6 o'clock in Philadelphia, 3 o'clock our time. Now, last Saturday, the Canucks were outplayed by Edmonton, but they still won because the Oilers had tragic goaltending. This afternoon, the Canucks were outplayed again, this time by the Flyers. But unlike Edmonton, Philadelphia has a good goalie. And Vancouver lost 2 nothing. And quite frankly, 2 nothing is flattering. If it wasn't for Thatcher Demko, who has recovered from the flu... This would have been embarrassing. Rick Tockett said after the game he was not happy with any of his players except for Demko, who should be given the best seat on the plane for the flight down to Florida for the next game. And there's Thatcher right there. And this time he didn't get sick in his mask. Uh, first goal of the game was early by Igor Zamula, but it wasn't really Demko's fault. This one goes in off the stick of Connor Garland, who's coming out to block the shot, but what he does do is deflect it into his own net. So it's 1-0 for the Flyers. Elias Pedersen stopping the puck and then uh, has to get run over by Nicholas Delorier because of that. And then Pedersen slashes Sean Couturier, who missed all of last season with back issues, breaks his stick on Couturier. He doesn't score in the breakaway, but he gets a penalty shot out of it. And this is an interesting move on a penalty shot. Couturier basically shows his back to Demko and then turns and scores. It was like, remember my name? Couturier, 14. Got a good look at it? There. 2 nothing. Well, watch Demko here on Bobby Brink, one of the young Flyers. Now, Philadelphia does not have a lot of natural goal scorers on this team, but that is a great save by Demko. Coming across, left pad stretched, keeping it to zip. Phil DiGiuseppe gets run hard from behind by uh, Mark Stahl. And, hey, good for no Juleson. Don't do that to my guy. Here's the uh, save I showed you before the break. This is on a shorthanded break by the Flyers. Look at the glove by Demko on Scott Lawton. One more look. Different angle. Better angle, actually. Just picks this one right off the ice to keep it 2-0. So the Canucks still had a chance... They had a late power play, but Elias Pettersson shot here right off the head of Nick Sealer. Right, oof, good thing he's wearing a helmet. He was okay, the Canucks were not. 
But uh, after the game, Quinn Hughes had this to say. It's three games in. Like I told you guys, uh, after the first two games, it didn't mean anything. And after tonight, you know, it's the same thing. We had a long way to go. And it's going to be a process for us. And we're hoping to be a really good team by game 40 and 50. And so. Well, hopefully you're still in the playoff race by game 40 and 50. Um, before the game in Philadelphia, the Canucks made a trade with guess who? Pittsburgh. Who else? It used to be always trades with the Florida Panthers. Now the wormhole runs from Vancouver to Pittsburgh instead of Miami. The uh, Canucks finally gave up hope that defenseman Jack Rathbone was a future NHLer for them. They sent Rathbone and forward Carl Plaschek to Pittsburgh for forward Ty Glover, who's 23 and will likely stay in the minors. And the man in the picture beside me, defenseman Mark Friedman, who will join the Canucks apparently later on the road trip. Now, Friedman is a bottom pair defenseman at best. This is a rare goal from him for Pittsburgh. He's not afraid to drop the gloves. He will play physical, but he has played most of his professional career in the minors. Originally drafted by the Flyers in the third round, has played 65 NHL games since 2018. So there was a scare at Whitecaps practice today. Ryan Gold, their MVP, perhaps the MVP of the entire Major League Soccer, left complaining of a sore left foot. Now, he has had a problem with that foot recently. In fact, in a game against Colorado back on September 27th, he came out of that because of the foot. But he says he feels he can overcome this injury and play Saturday against LAFC. Treating this game like he's already a playoff game. So, oh, oh. If you are 100% and you can go, you go. If not, there's someone else that uh, can step up. Of course, I think, uh, again, I think he's fine. He's, uh, he's uh, smart enough today when he got a little knock to manage himself and be ready to be probably 100% tomorrow and, and Thursday leading to the game. Obviously, it was, it was painful after Colorado and for the next, um, the next week or so, but um, that few days off that we had and... You know, having a weekend with no games definitely helped. So um, it's helped get it um, back to back to 100. percent Must have been cold up there today. Yeah, right <laughs> scarf on. Well, thanks. Well, very he much. is from sunny Scotland. That's true. There. Thanks, Bar. All right. Up next, they say children see magic in everything. We will meet a BC teen taking that one step further. This is BC is brought to you by Johnston Meyer Insurance Agencies Group. 50 years of trust in your community. Burnaby's Blake Allion is a rising star of the field of magic. And at just 13, he's continuing to grow his fan base. Some of those fans include the biggest names in the business, as Jay Durant shows us in This is BC. Rubbing shoulders with many of the great magicians like David Copperfield and Chris Angel. Blake Allion met them all during a recent trip to Las Vegas. That was so exciting. I barely could breathe when that was happening. Disappearing candle trip. By the way, this is one of my originals. Captivated at a young age. For the past seven years, he's been working on building his own fan base. Every single ace is now also face up. I always test my newest tricks on people, see if they were good, see if they were great, bad, or whatever. The most difficult one to do is the ace of spades, because you see it happen on three. One, two, three, there it is, the ace of spades. Not everyone takes you serious when you're at more of a young magician or entertainer. Older people, they often assume I'm just going to do kids magic, like with those toys from magic kits and stuff. Now, where's the Ace of Hearts? At the front. 
No, that's the two, that's the three. The ace is over here. The close. It's been a very big year for the budding performer. He's been featured in a docu-series, received an award for his talents, and graduated from high school, fast-tracking towards a medical career where he hopes to one day hold the dual job of physician-magician. Kind of appears out of nothing. Doctors are often trying to help people, and a lot of their patients are lonely, sad. Uh, I think adding that element of magic may help cheer up. Aces. You know what's better than that? What's that? A royal flush. But right now he's taking time to perfect his craft, win over the crowd, and sign a few autographs of his own along the way. <laughs> I love to perform. I love, uh, I'm very extroverted. I love social interactions, and I always try to do a little bit of magic every day. Jay Durant, Global News. Whoa, if you know yeah. someone who has a great story to tell or any tricks up their sleeves, email your ideas to Jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. They had his card tricks on a GoPro camera, and I still could not figure out how he did what he did. <laughs> anyway, it's time to check out our kid count here on Variety Week and see just how many kids across BC Variety can now help thanks to your donations. Right now, Variety will be able to help 144 kids. And there's still time to get in on Accent In's matching donation and double the impact of your dollars. Thank you so much to Accent In's for stepping up and supporting Variety. It's been a great week so far, a couple of days. We've got three more to go and amazing stories of kids and how your donations have helped them across all of the day parts and all of our broadcasts. So hopefully you'll continue uh, to watch those and to give. Yeah. Mother Nature continues to give over the next few days, <laughs> it sounds like. Well, finally, she's giving us some rainfall that's well needed. Uh, so uh, we are expecting the rain tonight, especially heavy tonight in some areas. It will be through the day tomorrow with a high of 14 degrees. I think we'll continue to see some rain into our Thursday, although it will begin to ease a little bit brighter and drier on Friday. But there's still some uncertainty around those showers for Friday. So stay tuned. At least we got some sunshine in the forecast. We'll take little glimpses of it at this point. Thanks very much, Christy. Thanks for watching, everyone. Good night. Good night, all.